Welcome to the Straw Hats Social Club. I'm Todd. I'm Becca. And uh, I still don't have an intro for this. Yeah, that's okay. We'll get there. <laughs> yeah. So normally, one piece recap show, uh, but we're bringing you another side piece this week. We originally were trying to do more modern stuff. Um, I kind of want to do something more casual, more like slice of life here. But I realized when I was looking at lists of releases and stuff, I just, I don't recognize any of this stuff. It's hard to find, you know, things that are recommended as far as like what's, what's currently coming out. And I think we talked before that like most of the stuff nowadays seems to be series more than movies and it doesn't really fit here. And we just got to a point where I was like, I guess we could cover you know, this or this, but we have no attachment to it or yeah. anything. And I don't know, I, I prefer us watching stuff we have some attachment to. Like, at least with Jujutsu Kaisen, I'm a fan of the series, even though I haven't watched any of it from the manga. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, You want to talk about that? <laughs> no, we don't need to go okay. um, Yeah, so we we just figured we're better off just sticking to stuff we're used to. I guess we're just... I, we don't need well, to get in that. No, I mean, uh. it's not that we don't want to dive into the new stuff. I just feel like I want to have some, like, personal interest or, yeah. like, you know, like, I'm I'm still catching up on old mangas. Like, I just started Jujutsu Kaisen after watching yeah. Jujutsu Kaisen Zero. And I feel like... If we have like just a little bit more of an attachment so that we have something to dive into. Well, I think, I guess if there's like new release stuff, it would be fun to, you know, watch that on here. We're still looking for recommendations if people know of mm -hmm. any newer stuff, but we, we just decided, you know what, let's get something cozy, something yeah. we have a little history with, um, still more like slice of life, you know, but yeah. I mean, we're doing Kiki's Delivery Service. Yes. This was released in Japan in 89. I didn't realize it was that yeah. long ago. I didn't realize that either because I think I watched this when I was in high school. Yeah. And that would have been like 2004, 2008. Mm -hmm. um, I, I was probably closer to 2004. I was probably 14. And I I loved it. I, I think it came on the Disney Channel like one night oh, on yeah, Halloween. Yeah, and I just I loved I loved watching this movie again. It brought back a lot for me. Yeah, we should talk about that a little bit. I'll mm -hmm. say so. It came out in Japan in '89. Came out in the United States in 1990. There was a period. I'm sure that there are people listening who are familiar, but I don't know the age range of these people. I I keep feeling like I'm this old crypt keeper <laughs> talking about back in the day, but. I can remember when Disney got the rights to all this Studio Ghibli stuff and they started doing their own dubs. I did see like some of the history of this. There were other dubs that were done and Disney, when they bought the rights, they like went back and kind of redubbed a lot of stuff. I mean, we still watch the subtitles because we're proper weebs, you know. <laughs> I will say the Disney dubs tend to be really good though because they yeah. get like big name voice talents and stuff. Yeah. But I do remember that that period being really interesting when they were really pushing the Ghibli stuff and really like putting like a I don't know how to put it like because I don't want to act like they made it better because they, no, didn't. they didn't. <laughs> in some ways they made it worse because I think yeah. some of the translations tend to kind of shave away the the cultural edges, you know? Yeah, I mean, it was just a popular channel and boosted it 
you know, yeah, for yeah. what it was. I mean, they gave it, like, a new fresh coat of paint that made it more appealing to, like, mass American audiences, mm-hmm. which, you know, for better or worse, there's good and bad about that. Um, but I did, you brought up your history a little bit. Mm-hmm. I guess for my part, I'd never seen this. This is one you said you watched in high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had never seen it, and I honestly realized I knew, like, nothing about it. I didn't even know <laughs> it was about a witch. Oh, really? Yes, I just okay. saw that... It's a girl in a broom, and I was like, oh, it's just some probably normal girl with some magical something, like Ghibli style, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know why I didn't put that together. And when we started watching the movie, it was like, oh, duh, of course she's a little witch girl. I mean, it is uh, Ghibli. And while we're talking about pronunciation... Oh, boy. There, Well, I know people in America say Ghibli. Apparently, it's Ghibli. Oh, my God. I heard it was Ghibli. It's so that's not why, Ghibli. Like, yeah, that's it's the so thing. Hard. Yeah. But... At the same time, it's like I heard it was uh, Gibri from, I think, like some TikTok or something. And it's just information spread so differently. And I think that's why we all have different pronunciations, especially when it comes to this type of media, because yeah. we weren't learning Japanese when we were kids. So we just said it how we thought it was be said in American. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's extra tough because R's and L's seem like they're interchangeable Mm -hmm. um we're gonna actually get into that with the next one piece episode because it's relevant Mm -hmm. but i guess since we're on the subject (laughs) of pronunciation because i know i mispronounce a ton of stuff Mm -hmm. i just want to say i mean how to how to say this so first of all well let me just say i just don't get hung up on this stuff because to me it's like look if i say something and you know what i'm saying then it doesn't matter, okay? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not... I, I, I think I used to be more snobby about this stuff when I was younger. Mm-hmm. And it's like, the older I get, I'm just like, who gives a fuck? Like, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, and I just don't want to get hung up. I'd rather just talk naturally. Yeah. And there's some things, like, I'm going to try to get used to saying... Is it mon- manga? Manga, yeah. I, okay. Look, I say it wrong. So I think even in the yeah. Jujutsu Kaisen episode, I say manga. Like, it's... It's whatever. It's... I was a child when I learned yeah. about... Manga and anime, and that's how I just pronounce pronunciated pro, pronounced it. Yes, because that's how you pronunciate. I know I can't even yes. pronounce pronunciate pronounce. <laughs> it's too <laughs> many. Look, okay. Yeah. If if it is like a Japanese name and it should be properly pronounced, obviously yeah. that's where it's like out of respect. I'm obviously going to try my best to pronounce it right but i mean sometimes i slip up i'm human and yeah. you too uh, we're look, human and i don't i don't want to harp on this too much because yeah. it's, I know. Like, it's really not a big a deal I, I, i'll just say i was talking to a friend of mine the other day about something similar where we were talking about like the super nintendo and how obviously this isn't like so much of a cultural thing but it's like nowadays with the internet where everyone is like connected and you can hear people from all over the world Mm -hmm. i've heard people call the super nintendo like snes Mm -hmm. and snes and stuff like that and it's like where i grew up remember it's not like i'm listening to fucking podcasts and watching (laughs) videos on the internet so it's just the kids at school Mm -hmm. we call it super nintendo Mm -hmm. nobody said snes Mm -hmm. nobody said snes it was just super nintendo yeah and it could be a regional thing too like same here everybody said super nintendo yeah, and it's like then, but then I listen to podcasts where they're saying SNES this and SNES that. I'm like, what the fuck is a SNES? And it's like, that's just how some of this stuff is. You know, you learn how to say things a certain way just based on the people you're around. 
whatever. We're spending way too yeah, much time. Too much on time. It. Let's get into Kiki's because. Okay. So, well, to before we get into the topics, which we're going to cover art and the animation, we're going to cover the story, then we're going to give final thoughts. We're going to try to keep this a little more uh, brisk for our sake and for yours. <laughs> Probably easier to listen to yeah. when it's a tighter podcast but just to get into it one thing i thought was interesting because i also i didn't like do a ton of research because i just feel like it's better for us to just give our thoughts and opinions mm. fresh out of watching it mm. who cares about giving the whole history it's not what we do well, there's plenty of that also yeah and i have i have some little tidbits that i think are interesting to us but the thing i did want to talk about that stood out and again i didn't read anything about this so maybe this has been talked about maybe uh Maizaki himself has talked about this but I remember with Princess Mononoke, which is probably my favorite movie of his, mm -hmm. um, I remember reading a long time ago about how with Nausicaa, he tackled these certain themes about uh, the environment and, you know, all that kind of stuff. And he just felt like those themes weren't fully delivered with that movie at the time. So much later in his career, he made Princess Mononoke to kind of like it's kind of like he had more to say mm -hmm. so he wanted to kind of touch on all that stuff again and so they wind up being these kind of like sister projects i felt like this feels like a sister project to spirited away in that way mm -hmm. which is interesting that you pick both of these because <laughs> it does feel like this is very much about you know adolescence and growing up and mm -hmm. particularly as a girl mm -hmm. And Spirited Away is very much about that. Mm -hmm. So it feels to me almost like this movie kind of tackles those themes. And then much later, he decided to revisit it with Spirited Away. So it has that same kind of relationship mm -hmm. to one another. And I think when you look at them together like that, I actually think it, it works really well. Mm -hmm. So you agree? I, I agree completely. <laughs> I mean, like, take the words right out of my mouth. Yeah. Okay. Just wanted to mention that because it yeah. was something I thought about. Because it was something I always, I, I love Nausicaa and Princess Mononoke. Like, those are probably my two favorites. So I've always liked that relationship, and I see it here, too. But with that, let's just get right into the first category, because we have 10 minutes of introduction. <laughs> and the first category is art and animation. So I'll just say to start, before I hand it over to you a little bit, mm -hmm. one thing that really stood out, you can you can understand why Disney took such an interest in these movies, because it really does feel like, I'm just going to say Ghibli, who it's, gives a fuck? It really feels like Ghibli is like the Japanese Disney. And it's like very reductionist to look at it that way, but when you look at um, the style of, of storytelling, the focus on animation because like the environments are so packed with detail and there is so much focus on the animation like there's so much animation because yeah. there was a certain point where i was just for some reason i got fixated on that and was paying attention and it's like you've these long scenes of characters just talking to each other and being cute and everything mm -hmm. but there's so much of there's so much movement and it feels like so dynamic it's not mm -hmm. just like talking heads back and forth yeah there really is this attention to the craft and making everything feel like really alive. Yeah. I feel like that is very reflective of uh, especially old Disney stuff like Sword in a Stone and stuff like that, that has that similar kind of animation style where it's like very active mm -hmm. and 
full of animation. Mm -hmm. It just really reminds me of that. So I could see people at Disney looking at this and be like, okay, we got to bring that in-house. You know, it's just like this whole library that they can kick out to a yeah. new audience, uh, which is kind of genius. And it, it wound up being like mutually beneficial, you know, no matter how you feel about Disney. Because mm -hmm. back then I was like, Big Disney hater because I was such a little anime weeb and I was pissed off about like Kimba the White Lion, but it's you know it's smart it makes sense. Yeah. So I don't know what what were your like initial thoughts about the art and animation watching it again? Well, I think well when I first watched this, it was on a little tiny TV in my room, so oh, yeah. I couldn't really appreciate all of the like hand painted backgrounds and everything like I do now. I I'm always so impressed with a Ghibli landscape. Like it's that's like their signature thing. And yeah, it's just like a beautiful painting. And it's so like I just love looking at the different brush strokes and the grass and the flowers and the lighting is always so magical. And it just it really it, this was like really nostalgic for me. It like took me back into my room when I was a kid yeah. watching it. So it was really cool to watch this again and especially being able to watch the whole thing because I can remember being extremely distracted watching this as and, we all were yeah, yeah. and uh it had commercials in between so i get distracted in between the commercials probably was drawing or something yeah. i don't know if people who are younger understand like it was a very different <laughs> viewing experience a lot of times because you would just tune in and catch like the second half of the movie yeah. <laughs> with commercials and stuff it's not like you just queue up your stream you know yeah and like i remember it i know we're talking about the art but just to dip right back into when i first watched this I remember yeah. um, this being like right around when they're like playing Halloween Town and stuff like that. And I didn't like those movies. Yeah. So like it was like a treat for me when something like this came on. But that's cool. Back into the art, this, like any other Ghibli movie, is it's like timeless. The way that the animation is done. And I think that's all by design from Miyazaki. It's like he's can see into the future or something. Yeah. It, I, I just, it, it did blow me away that this was 1989 because, I mean, it holds up incredibly well. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing about the style. And I, I can say the same thing about early Disney movies. There is something kind of timeless to it because it just, we're saying this now because I, I was listening to something the other day, I think you were there too, about how there's such a push toward 3D animation, mm -hmm. especially when you look at like Disney and stuff because that's just what is making the neurons fire off in children's <laughs> brains nowadays. Um, but I still think that this old stuff, it's just, there's so much care and mm -hmm. so much attention to detail that it still holds up and is is timeless. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're doing it by hand, so there's so much care to every yeah. little detail. Yeah, I will say the animation of uh, Gigi, the little cat, just yes. it captures my heart every time. Like the way they capture like a clumsy cat's movement is just so precious. Yeah, they're really good at that too because he has so much personality even mm -hmm. though he's just like this black void with eyes, <laughs> but they can perfectly, you know, capture whatever emotion they're trying to portray with yeah. that. Yeah. And also um Gigi's little girlfriend too. Like they oh, have yeah. like the different characteristics of cats instead of just this is a cat and this is another cat in a different color. <laughs> yeah. I also just like that as much as we talk about the environments being so detailed and cozy and the, all the attention to detail, something they're very good at is having these like very simple 
character designs mm-hmm. that still are like so bold and say so much about the character's yeah. personality. I mean, this is like animation 101, but it is something with uh, newer animation where everything is getting so clean mm-hmm. and you wind up with a lot of stuff just looking very samey. Mm-hmm. And Ghibli is just so good at this. Like, I mean, the main character is just like this very plain looking little girl mm-hmm. with like a black, like a dress. dress. Yeah. And, but her distinguishing thing is she has this giant red ribbon mm-hmm. on her head and it just works. Like it's this very yeah. easily recognizable character design that just carries through the movie so well. Yeah. And then the character design for the little artists they run into in the woods and they like become friends. She has this huge straw hat and like oh, yeah. a red tank top and little jean shorts, which looks like a Luffy cosplay. But yeah. it's so cute. Like everything is just so, like you said, like simple, but it's like defined to the character. Yeah, totally. And I, I really liked the animations when she's flying the broom. Mm-hmm. I like how it's like, you know, very easy to just make her like float through the <laughs> air. But instead it's like she's zooming everywhere. Like you're getting all these crazy angles, yeah. like struggling to control it. it exactly. Was like, it's such a small detail that makes that part of the movie just to have so much personality and so much fun to watch. Yeah. I you know? To tag on to that, I, I love how they capture the movement of her being so clumsy in the air. Yeah. Like it's just so it's I... I wish I could animate. It's something I need to work on. But I just, Ghibli animation is just so inspiring. Yeah, and it it adds to her personality Mm -hmm. and her characterization too, which we'll get to when we talk about the story. I also, I got a couple more things I wanted to hit on. One is that uh, I did see that they went to Sweden in order to research the like fictional town, Mm -hmm. uh, which is called Korko. And I thought that was interesting because we were noticing, like, it does have this distinct feel to it. When you find out that it was inspired by, like, Swedish cities, I think it makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. It it really fits. (laughs) But I thought that was cool. I think that it was also inspired by, like, German buildings Mm -hmm. and stuff. And you can feel all of that. Like, the the town really does feel, like, so alive and vibrant. And it it winds up having this very unique um, personality to it. But you can really see the inspiration there from mm-hmm. those kind of towns. And it, it, I feel like anything Studio Ghibli, like, that's probably where it takes place is, like, Sweden. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, if it's outside Japan, that just seems like the perfect setting. Yeah, I mean, from what I have perceived of Sweden, you know, online, is it just looks, like, lush and beautiful and, you know, really cool architecture. Totally. Yeah. Um, the other thing I did see that I thought was interesting is... You know, late in the movie, we see that um, big painting that Ursula was working on. And it's, like, very striking, like, very cool looking. Mm -hmm. I found out that that painting, it was actually painted by uh, students at a school for challenged children. And it's called The Ship Flying Over the Rainbow. Oh, my God. That makes me want to cry. Yeah, it's such a cool detail. That's so awesome. I had no idea about that. And when you, I mean, when you find that out, it does make sense because there is like so much focus. It's like multiple shots mm-hmm. show, showing the painting and Kiki's like enthralled by yeah. it. And when you find out that kind of history behind it, it, it adds like even more meaning to it. So I just thought that was, that was really cool because watching it, I did kind of feel like, oh, it's weird how much attention they're giving to this thing because it was very cool looking. Yeah. But, but knowing that there is a history there, I thought was really cool. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so was there anything else you wanted to 
talk about with the art and animation? Not really. I mean, you know, it's Ghibli. It's beautiful. Yeah, you kind of know what you're getting. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we can just, uh, we can go right into the story. Okay. So just as a, a quick overview... For those who haven't seen it, or as a reminder, if you have a long time ago, Kiki's Delivery Service, it's about this little witch girl who, when she turns 13, she has to like leave home, find her way in the world. And it seems very much about the fact that she's like very eager to find herself, but she hasn't really discovered her own individual talents or whatever. So it's very much a focus on like there's nothing like quote unquote special that she's able to do. She's finding her way and she kind of stumbles into running this kind of delivery service because she can fly on a broom, you know, <laughs> it's a witch thing that witches do. Mm -hmm. um, so she just uses that to get close to people, to work and form relationships, earn some money and winds up being kind of uh, sucked into this more modern world of uh, Corico, the, the town that she winds up in. So very much like a coming-of-age story, um, specifically targeted at young girls. When we were watching it, you pointed out, I kind of was already thinking it too, that this definitely hits different as an adult. Mm -hmm. I think that uh, when you're younger, it just feels like this like nice, fun mm -hmm. adventure. And then when you're older, I think the themes like really come through a oh, lot yeah. more because... You just you have more perspective on these things because we've lived our lives and everyone kind of goes through this of mm -hmm. trying to find your way in the world and learn what your talents are and how those can be applied. And uh, yeah, I mean, what were your thoughts about that? Well, going back to talking about how Miyazaki tends to capture the perfect experience of a young girl, like I, I still to this day, like I just don't understand how they can like properly capture what it really is like being a little girl like this like magical but like super confusing time in your life and i don't know it just does like a really good job of like capturing that magic of you know being young and just discovering yourself yeah, and I like that they keep uh, showing these other characters who are like, oh, this one, she's good at potions, you know, and this other <laughs> mm -hmm. one's really good at, like, fortune telling. Yeah. And there's kind of this pressure of, like, so what is your thing? Like, what are you good at? And she doesn't really know. And I thought that was, like, it, it feels like a very authentic part of the story that she's so eager to go out into the world, even though she hasn't figured any of that stuff out yet. And in her case, she just gets by by being, like, this amazingly <laughs> kind person yeah. who just makes friends with everybody yeah. and, and just kind of rolls with that. Yeah. Um, but it feels, yeah, it feels very real. Even when she starts to get crushed under the weight of this big world and starts, like, losing her magical powers mm -hmm. and everything, which... I uh, want to talk about that for a minute. Yeah. Because... I really, I, I think it's almost kind of obvious, but when she loses her powers, it's really like burnout. Like, yeah. if you think about it, she had been doing delivery after delivery and like wasn't really getting time for self-care. And then, of course, Ursula comes and is like, hey, you need to focus on yourself. You need to get outside. You need to, you know, take time to rebuild that creative energy. 
And it's yeah. like such a good message. It's a message that I wish I would have gotten to me, you know, when I was that age. Yeah. But I, with living in like a capitalistic society, <laughs> you have to like keep going, keep creating, keep making money, but not really realizing it is so important to just have experiences and to, I don't know, revel in in self-care. And it's just, it's so important for creativity. There is a very like dark read on this movie. It's very anti-capitalist, but it feels very authentic. Mm-hmm. I mean, in the beginning, I want to point out really quick that one of the notes that I wrote down is, uh, as we modernize society, women lost their powers. Uh, yeah. It's <laughs> like a little too real. I don't know if he was really thinking about that at the time, but it's like true, dude, true. Yeah. But it is it is interesting that um, I love in the beginning how witches are just treated as like normal people. Yes. You know what I mean? Like she'll be flying around. There's like dudes fishing on a boat who are just like waving at her. You know, it's like all very normal. Yes. And it's like, damn, I wish we could just have like witches chilling out I know. in society. I wish that was the world we lived in. <laughs> but I did see that this apparently takes place in this like... Uh, fictional 1950s where world war one and world war two never happened Mm. and it's kind of like yeah i guess if we didn't have world wars we would have like magic and uh things would be like very nice and peaceful because there really there are no like antagonists like yeah the antagonist of the movie is the world you know it's the (laughs) weight of like modernization yeah you know they're the only like evil character is like the cop of course who is just like what the fuck you can't be flying without a license or whatever you know and that which i will say like i could understand it's probably dangerous to fly in the air there should be a little bit of regulation maybe but i mean like yeah yeah but it is funny that when he popped up i was totally expecting like oh he's gonna come up later and he's gonna be this big bad guy who's like getting in her way and it's like no no like, the movie's just not about that no that's not this kind of movie yeah i guess there is also though that that one like teenage girl who's like really shitty uh I, she was she was shitty but i feel like she was being more showy because she did at the end of their conversation was like you know like good luck or whatever you know like she was nice sure but i that does also like just peer into the shadows of catty girl like world you know when you're that age when you're a young teenager and it's like you got to be better than the other girl or something yeah and i i also did want to point out that i think the like the initial concept is that she loses her powers because she like grows up and that's Mm -hmm. the big thing and apparently in like i don't know if it's in the current disney version because i actually think they did two different dubs but in one of them, um, Gigi winds up talking to her in the end and mm-hmm. kind of establishes like, oh, she got her magic back. And But that actually goes against the the themes of the movie and how it's supposed to end, which is with her like managing the idea that, you know, as she's growing up, she's becoming a part of this more modern society, losing those magical powers and finding a way to exist the same way like Ursula did, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that's, you know, that that hits harder, that's mm-hmm. more thematically meaningful. So it's funny that they made that change, but it's one of the things that Disney does is yeah. to create this like sweeter little package that's easier to swallow. So I just thought that was an interesting detail. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up because I was going to say the ending did not feel familiar because I thought, oh, really? I'm, I'm really glad you said that because I thought I was going crazy. I could have swore that Gigi talked again at the end. 
So I'm glad you brought that up because I literally thought I made it up in my head. (laughs) It's probably the one that you saw. Yeah. Because I I think, again, I didn't do a ton of research, so don't take this as gospel. (laughs) But I think what I read is that the original dub that Disney did actually had Phil Hartman doing Mm. a bunch of the voices. And I think he actually passed away during this process. Oh, my God. Yeah. And I, I don't know if that's why they redubbed it or if they just, like, revisited it later but that's why i don't know which version you might have seen or mm. which version has yes. him talking at the end whatever mm. listen <laughs> I, I just i'm just giving a little bit of trivia we're not giving yeah. like the full history but on the on the topic of Gigi, i did want to say Gigi reminded me so much of our cat Aries. i know and not just like <laughs> how he looks but it's like there's this like certain type of personality where he's like very bold <laughs> but as soon as you look at him he gets like really shy <laughs> And Ar- that's Aries to a fucking T. It is. Because Aries will be like demanding your attention and being all goofy. And then if you stare at him, all of a sudden he like gets stiff <laughs> and like <laughs> makes eye contact. And it feels like he's like, I don't know what to do. And it just felt like, oh, yeah. That's, yeah. That's Gigi. In yeah. The and the way like when she was sick in bed and Gigi was laying next to next to her. Yeah. And it just reminded me of how he is. Like he'll come lay in bed with us and, and cuddle and he'll always want to get under the blanket. Our sweet little boy. I know. We love our little boy. <laughs> but yeah, if you don't have any like general stuff, I wanted to just really quickly hit on the story. Yeah. So like we said, the movie starts with Kiki at home. Her mom is a witch who is like expert at making potions, I guess. And it seems like in their like witch society, when you turn 13, that's when you're able to like become an adult, go out, find your place in the world. And, of course, everyone's, like, so worried that she's too young, mm-hmm. that she doesn't really have her, her thing, but she's so eager to leave. I mean, she very quickly just kind of wraps everything yeah. up and gets out of there. <laughs> and I thought that's also, like, just so adorable because she, she, like, accidentally falls asleep on a train. And there's so many points in this movie where it feels like, I don't know what to call it. It's not really, like, traditional storytelling, but maybe it's just what we are, like, trained on. But when this happens, it feels like, oh, no, like <laughs> she's getting swept away much further than she meant to be. Mm-hmm. But then when she she travels like many miles and wakes up in this big town, she's just like, oh, nice. You know, it's like <laughs> no drama, no nothing. Just mm-hmm. immediately is like, this place seems nice. Let's see what this is about. Yeah, go with the flow. Yeah, and that seems to really be in tune with like the nature of this story. Mm-hmm. Um and I mean, it's very obvious. It's like the country girl going to the big city yeah. to find herself. And yeah, and it's funny that like her first thing is like getting caught by a cop. He's just like, <laughs> what, are, what are you doing? <laughs> and uh, it, it is also funny because it comes up again later when she is making a delivery and she goes like way up in the sky. And I think Gigi's like, what are you doing? Why yeah. are you going up so high? And she's like, well, I don't want the cop to see me. <laughs> it's like, okay. <laughs> Hey, nice. gotta look out for the cops. <laughs> um, but when she gets there pretty quickly, she meets another character named, I think, Asono. <laughs> I, I mean, stare. like, I was 14 when I watched this, and when I was watching it, I felt like I was 14 again. Yeah. So <laughs> I, I thought this was really sweet, though, because there are, there are these moments where she's just like, going up to strangers mm-hmm. like hey i'm trying to find a place to live like uh, and they're just looking at her like what like g- girl like we have our own lives like go figure this out but she's the first character who like shows her this kind of kindness she runs like a little bakery mm-hmm. and i think she even specifically says like oh this is a big place there's a lot of different people 
some of the people are kind of rude, but some <laughs> of the people are nice, like me. They're like, I love you. You're great. And, uh, and it's true. You know, I think that's a really optimistic way to yeah. look at the world because you can get really focused on all the negativity, all the shitty people, mm-hmm. especially in the internet where those voices get broadcast the loudest. Yeah. Um, but you just have to always remember there are nice, kind people mm-hmm. out there too. Yeah. And it is very sweet because she kind of takes her under her wing, gives her a place to stay and winds up. Well, it starts because she absentmindedly is trying to like make a delivery somewhere. And Kiki's just like, oh, I can do that. And mm-hmm. then like jumps off the cliff with her yeah, broom and flies away. To help a baby. To, so the baby had their pacifier. Right. Yeah. And uh, and that winds up being like the jumping off point for her little delivery business. Mm-hmm. But it is nice that Kiki is just like such a kind person and you can see how it resonates with a lot of people. And I think we've talked about this before that I just love these kind of characters. I mean, Luffy is this kind of character. You know, it's the type of people who are like have such a big heart and are so nice to everyone. Mm -hmm. And so they just naturally draw people to them and make friends. And so it's like the constant like, oh, she's given a place to to live and she's just like so (laughs) like, oh, my God, thank you. You know, like so appreciative. Yeah. I mean, to really kick that off, she didn't expect anything for delivering that pacifier. She's just like, like once she was done, she was like, okay, see ya. And Lee's like, hold on. (laughs) Yeah. It's very sweet. Yeah. Um, but after this, when she gets, I think it's like her first big delivery to take that stuffed cat. Yeah. I really love this scene because she winds up uh, like accidentally pissing off a bunch of crows, <laughs> which felt really funny because there is almost this like weird little political kind of moment where like I think Gigi mentions that like crows used to be like servants mm-hmm. of witches and Kiki's like, like, oh, like she's almost like offended. Like we yeah. don't talk about that, you know, almost like that was this dark time yeah. where they were enslaved or something. And I thought that like little moments like that add so much um, texture to the world yeah. and so much culture. It's definitely something you don't pick up on when you're a kid. Oh, I yeah. definitely 100%. like, yeah. <laughs> but it's cool. Cause yeah, she like, she angers them and then it turns into them being like mean as shit. Like mm. we'll not let her anywhere near it. And, like, they're, like, trying to um, take her broom apart, like, yeah. picking it out. Yeah. And it's like, oh, my God, like, it's scary. <laughs> but that's how she meets uh, Ursula mm-hmm. because she loses the little stuffed cat and um, she has to send Gigi in, which, oh, my God, this is, like, the cutest part of the movie. When Gigi mm-hmm. is sent in, has to pretend he's a little stuffed cat. Get- and the way that he's, like, totally <laughs> stiff while being, like, flung around and everything. <laughs> it's just so cute like yeah. i think just like thinking like oh my god what if that was like a real cat like it's very it's funny. such a funny scene and the way that like when the dog starts to smell him and then you just see him sweating profusely yeah like, it's just so but the funny. dog just ends up protecting him and it's yeah. just so cute that's the other thing is like the movie is just so kind mm-hmm. and it's like Every time they build something up is like, oh, my God, there's like something (laughs) dangerous here. It's like, no, the dog winds up being like super friendly and helps them and everything. It's just so sweet. It is. Um, But she meets Ursula because Ursula, I guess, is friends with all the ravens. I I think maybe I like missed some detail. Is is it implied that she used to be a witch and she like also lost her powers? I am not sure, to be honest. I don't know. That was kind of I would of like my to look read. that up. Yeah. I think that was kind of my read because it seemed like she still had some connection to the Ravens. She was like drawing them and stuff. Yeah. Is she 
obviously is it could be that she's very good at talking with animals or something because yeah. when she's sketching on the roof she's like hey stand still yeah. still <laughs> like i thought that that was so cool yeah it made it feel like she had some kind of magical energy but maybe she went through what kiki went through and like lost her powers mm-hmm. she grew up she becomes like this mentor because it just feels like she understands what kiki's going through and everything and winds up playing a bigger part later on when she starts like discovering herself but then uh the next delivery i think is when she starts to see like the crueler side of the world and it does feel like really sad it's 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 great storytelling because it still keeps this like upbeat like sweet vibe to the story but it feels like it is still injecting this like harsher reality it's when she she meets that old lady who's like so kind and she's trying to bake this like pie Mm -hmm. for her granddaughter's birthday i think yeah and uh so kiki like goes way above and beyond to help her like delivers it in the rain Mm -hmm. and then when she hands it over to this girl she's just like ugh, like i'm so sick of these gross pies that my grandmother keeps making me and i was like damn like that's so awful so mean yeah, and you can see Kiki's, like, not <laughs> yeah, happy not about happy that. About and I think that's, like, the, the beginning of the turning point when she starts, like, losing her powers and getting, like, um, like her personality changes mm-hmm. a lot. Um, did you have your little phase? Is like, her goth witch phase. I mean, look, <laughs> <laughs> you could talk to my mom all about that. <laughs> yeah, but that's when, like, she stops being as, like, sweet and kind and innocent and... I guess is starting to see the realities of the world in a way. Um, like I said, it's like it's, it's still a very nice way of portraying it because it's not like something horrible happens yeah. to her. It's just like this little girl who's mean to her grandmother, and that's like that that brush with reality. Um, but there's also there's the character Tombo, mm-hmm. who's the little boy who's like the very persistent <laughs> <yeah>. little boy. <laughs> what well, feels it feels right because you can yeah. see, especially since he he winds up being like so into aeronautical stuff mm-hmm. that it's like yeah, this witch girl who can fly. You can see why he would just be like awestruck. Yeah, by that. and Miyazaki like loves planes, so that of course, out. yeah, so of course this would be injected into the story as well, especially with witches. Like I think that's such a cool relationship is like this boy who's obsessed with like aerospace and like yeah. flying and then he's like, "Oh my gosh, you can fly." That is like the coolest thing ever. Yeah. <laughs> Even though it does it starts to feel like uh the the zeppelin and all this technological stuff it feels like men looking at like the magic of women and being like how can we do this let's do it better let's do it bigger you know what i mean and it winds up being a fucking disaster that's all i could think about when i was watching i don't know how much of that is in the text but it came through patriarchy crashing and burning like that zeppelin (laughs) but yeah so kiki like winds up accompanying him to go see it and you see that he's trying to build his own flying machine, mm-hmm. which also just felt like he was kind of showing off like yeah. all the work while Kiki's <laughs> like, I just need a fucking broom, dude. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Then it's like, this is when Kiki's like losing her powers and she winds up going to Ursula for help. And uh, this is when, you know, you went into this a bit in the beginning, how Ursula was kind of teaching her about self-care and discovering herself. And, you know, it's all that, that stuff that's a part of growing up. Mm-hmm. It's also when we get that amazing painting Mm -hmm. that Ursula was working on. After this, when the Zeppelin has its, like, maiden voyage, 
of course, things go wrong. It it's, has a lot of similarities to the Hindenburg disaster. He, there's even a point where like a radio announcer says like, oh, the humanity. It's like very on the mm-hmm. nose. But Kiki has to like get like some little last burst of magical energy so she can go and like save the day. Mm-hmm. And it's like this big, nice, heroic moment. It is very funny that she just grabs like a janitor broom yeah. and like can't control it and it's like getting mad at it so yeah and those then, details are great and the, the janitor is like that's my room uh, yeah. like it's so cute i did think that's funny because it's like it it winds up adding these stakes that she can't just like zip off and save them and that's it like she really has to struggle to control it and it, again we talked about the animation of yeah. the the broom flying and it's like it's just so good and it, yeah. it puts so much it's it's personality and it's comedy like it's just yeah. so fun to watch i loved every time that like she lifts off and her you know you're seeing up her dress yeah. but she has these like Little giant bloomers. yeah these giant bloomers and it just looks like really cute and <laughs> yeah, funny it's so funny it's like very silly so yeah and then i guess it, it's and left a woman saves the day of course yes yes <laughs> but it, it is left kind of open-ended with her just kind of discovering herself and how to live in this new world. And it kind of continues into the credits and shows like, you know, the natural progression of these things. Mm -hmm. It's it's just, it's about change. It's changes, changes change. It's not good or bad. You just have to kind of roll with it and make the best of it. Mm -hmm. And it's left in a way where it feels like she is making the best of it. You know, it's still every, every moment of this movie is just very sweet and optimistic right up to the end and yeah i just i I really liked it you know like i said this was my first time watching it but i i liked it a lot i'm glad you liked it because it it really took me back to being a kid you know watching this late at night and ghibli movies are a huge inspiration to my artwork so it's just it's so good to like sit down and watch stuff like this for sure so i think that's it for the story Mm -hmm. why don't we just get into the final thoughts and wrap this up Mm mm-hmm So, I already said it, it's my first time seeing this, but, uh, and I went in with like no expectations because like I said, I, I didn't even know anything about this. I don't know how this just completely went under the radar for me, mm-hmm. um, but I loved it. Mm-hmm. I, I had so much fun watching it and it's just so like chill and relaxing and just, it's just got good vibes, yeah. you know? It's like very warm, very cozy. We've already, I feel like warm and cozy is like, those are the taglines of side piece. Yes. Um, well, at least with your choices, I think. <laughs> yeah, no, Mine, it's blood think, and titties Yeah, my you. tagline is blood and titties, yeah. Um, but it, it just, yeah, it worked. It's still really effective and I still really enjoyed it in the year 2023. <laughs> You mentioned that it, it definitely hits different as an adult. Like, yeah. Were there any other like lasting thoughts that kind of changed watching it now? I think a lot. But I mean, yeah. it, for the sake of time, I just, I think I'll always praise Miyazaki for being that like little cornerstone in my childhood where it's like women can do things and women can be creative. And yeah. like, you know, I just, I love that message because, you know, there wasn't a lot of that in American media. You know, there's some of the superficial, but 
this this one yeah. it makes me glad that I did get to watch this as a kid. I wish that I would have absorbed some of the undertones more. Yeah. But you it's know. tough. You don't have yeah. the same perspective. Yeah. Following up on what you were saying, I do feel like this this movie feels like it was very ahead of its time cuz I think back then there was definitely, you know, we had the whole girl power thing, mm. but it always felt like they were taking women and just planting them into like traditionally masculine roles yes. where it's like, oh, a woman can also be a strong warrior, <laughs> you know, and it just winds up being like the same story. Mm-hmm. And there's still like, there's definitely still something to that to yeah. say like, yeah, women can do that too. Yeah. But having something where it is very much a story of female adolescence that's like super targeted to that mm-hmm. where it's like you can't just make kiki into a boy and it's the same story <laughs> yeah you know what i mean i think that is something very progressive and meaningful and it just it holds up so well mm-hmm. you know it came out in 89 like that's yeah. crazy yeah so it's I, I definitely feel like this is a timeless movie that I just, I don't know, if you haven't seen it, if you've like overlooked it like I have, because there is a pretty big library of Ghibli movies, definitely check it out because mm-hmm. uh, it was a good time. Oh, yeah. I, I would definitely watch it again in the future. Oh, yeah. It's definitely a cozy movie just to put on. I know we keep saying cozy, but I mean like it is. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's that's like the number one descriptor I do. <laughs> but I think that's it for the episode if you got nothing mm-hmm. else. I do just want to touch on the, like, just to bring up again, the importance of, like, self-care and making sure that you're not burning yourself out. Yeah. I I think that is the thing that stuck with me the most because I, I think we all fall into that where we're just, we're not giving ourselves time to recuperate, to be more creative. And that message just really sits with me really well. And I think it's such an important message, not even just yeah. for people who are creative, just everyone. And especially now, I think it it hits when she's meeting all these people. Like she did meet that that young witch early on Mm -hmm. who like very clearly seemed to have things figured out. I think that's also very true that especially with social media and everything, it's very easy to look around and and think that like, oh, everyone else has everything figured out and has their place in the world. And it's like, no, not really. Like (laughs) everyone has to figure it out. And if you are still figuring it out, even as you get older, that's okay. Yeah. You know, it's, it's always going to be this process. Yeah. And maybe you don't have some specific thing that you're really good at. That's okay. Mm -hmm. You know? So I think the movie, yeah, it works on a lot of levels. Yeah. That about sums it up. Mm -hmm. Um, We're going to go back into One Piece next week, starting the... Uh, Arabasta Saga, a.k.a. the Alabasta Saga, mm-hmm. which we will talk about yeah. at some point. But when we get back to side piece, I think we are going to continue just going through older stuff that we have more connections to. I still have plenty of stuff with plenty of blood and titties that we can watch and talk yeah. about. <laughs> so look forward to that. Um, but for now, why don't you plug the socials? Oh. Follow us everywhere at Straw Hat Social Club. Um, you can find us Tumblr, Threads, YouTube. Tumblr's popping. Tumblr is popping <laughs> a little bit. I told you Tumblr was f- freaking cool. The nice, the people over there are very nice. Yes, they are. They're very nice. But yeah, other than that, if you have something that you want to recommend that's newer, we would really appreciate that. But also older. I mean, yeah. 
I've said in the earlier podcast, like, I really want to, you know, what was your experience like with anime? You know, what what was that like for you growing up? You know, where were you when you grew up? What, what was it like with other, your friends or people around you? I don't know. Just curious about those things. What's your anime origin story? Yeah. yeah. Anyway, that's it there. Yep. So... We love every single one of you that's listening. Yes. We um, saw we got a little jump in new listeners, so thank you. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, just uh, check us out next week. Mm-hmm. And for now, this has been Strawhead Social Club. I'm Todd. I'm Becca. And we will see you next time.